All right, well, good morning again. We are on our third question. Who has last week's question memorized? Norma, you want to try it? I know she was talking to Wednesday about this question. Great. She missed two words. Just two words. It lost it again, Wesley. So go ahead and click it. It's like maybe it's the range or something. I don't know. Um, all right. So this was our first question. Um, go ahead and skip forward to the next question. One more. There it is. So sh- let's read it together. What is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal infinite and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. Great job, Norma. I need to work on getting, figuring out some prizes here. <laughs> Candy. Candy. Yep. Snickers. Hey, there it worked. So how many of you remember this one? What is our only hope in life and death? Someone want to try it? All right, let's try it to stumble it together. That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Good. Keep working on those at home. I put a link in your handout. Who wants to... Volunteer to take hand, pass out handouts. Great, thanks, Crusoe. You got it. <laughs> You've been voluntold, as we say in the army. Could you pass those out? Thanks. I put on your handout that's coming around here. Um, uh, a link to the apps. So let's go ahead and look at what is our question today. I mean, last week, it was pretty, pretty mind-blowing, right? When you think about a God who's never had a beginning. Thank you, Crusoe. Appreciate that. Never had a beginning, never had an end. And then to think that he's infinite, he fills up all space. And that all those characteristics, his goodness and glory are infinite, each one of those. Like, he never, there's no changing the amount of power he has. Or the amount of love he has. That's awesome, right? Well, we're going to stretch our minds even a little bit bigger today. So today's question is, and read this with me, because I'm not going to be able to do the games at the end. (laughs) So let's try reading out loud a few times throughout this morning. Let's read this together. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. All right. I mean, that's... If you ever take time to think about this truth, your mind is just going to like, it hurts. But 
I know that some of us have heard illustrations, like to try to explain this, right? What are some of the illustrations you've heard to try to explain that God is three persons in one? An egg. An egg. Tell me about that. What, is, what do you mean? The egg, the yolk, and the shell. Good. Water. Water. Tell me about water. Okay. Okay. What else? A triangle, right? The triangle. I was going to put up here. There, have you ever seen the kind of triangly shaped thing that interweaves with itself and there's a circle around it? It's an old ancient symbol of the church that reflects the trinity any other illustrations you've heard humans, humans. tell me about that one yeah now they're all helpful to an extent like they they're all interesting but they all break down really poorly <laughs> for different reasons and we'll look at that um and no offense, Donna, but yours is the worst. <laughs> because... The water was pretty bad, too. Yeah, the, well, she said the water one. Yeah, the water... No, she said the egg, but the water one... Oh, did, I, I looked at Norma and said Donna. No. The water one's probably the worst okay. illustration. And it, it, it's helpful to kind of try to, but here's the problem. With all the illustrations, they can't balance out what all the Word of God says... And they will lead you into a heresy. (laughs) So, I mean, like really bad heresies. For instance, the water one tells us that God only manifests himself in one way at one time. Water, and take a cup of water, kids. Can it both be a gas and snow and rain at the same time? That one cup of water. No, it can't. Exactly. Liam's like, that one cup of water cannot be all three things at the same time. It can only show up in one form. And that is one particular heresy that the church in the 5th century condemned. I think it was the Council of Chalcedon. That God, think about, I'm going to get way ahead of myself. I'm going to try not to. But (laughs) John 3.16 doesn't make sense if that's the way the Trinity works. All right, let's think about John 3.16. God for who? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We can stop there. Right away, there's two beings doing something. Now, the language, every time you start saying these things, you're actually going to, oh, no, no, not beings. It's one God, right? But two persons, you see, in that verse in itself, acting at, right? So you have to, we have to understand that those illustrations are kind of useful a little bit, but we have to be careful because they all break down. Um, it, it's been said as well. Have it, how many of you have ever had somebody tell you that the idea of the Trinity just is illogical? Have people ever told you that? Because they, they say things like, that's trying to say like one plus one plus one equals one. That's new math. Well, that's what new math is. <laughs> so, what's that? It, it's God math. Well, the problem is, is that's really not what that statement's saying. It's really not saying that one plus one equals plus one equals one. It's not even what it's saying. It actually makes logical sense. And, and what I mean by that is, we're not talking crazy talk. So let me just give you an example. 
This, this maybe makes no, you don't understand what it means, but it should make sense to you. Follow along. All Fliberty gibbets are loquacious. Okay? Whatever Fliberty gibbets are, they're loquacious. All of them. Xander is a Fliberty gibbet. Therefore, what does that have to mean? That Xander is loquacious. Right? You have no idea who Xander is. You have no idea. Some of us probably don't even know what loquacious means. Probably most of us. I had to go look it up. <laughs> and we have no idea what a Fliberty gibbet is. But does it, does it make sense, the statement? Like, it's not crazy. You just don't know what those words mean. You follow me? It's hard to understand the content, but it logically makes sense. And the Trinity, the doctor of the Trinity, is not illogical. It's, it, you can't state it out in a syllogism like this, but you, it makes sense. It's just something to us that is hard to get our head wrapped around, and that's totally okay. Because last week, there's no way you're going to get your head wrapped around the eternity of God. The fact that God never had a beginning. I don't have to get my head wrapped around that, but God says it. I'm going to let that truth just sink in and hold my soul. Um, So let's just put this simply. What does it mean? That catechism question tells us at least four things, okay? tells us there's one God and that there's three persons in God and that all three of those persons are of the same substance, And that all three of those persons are equal in power and glory. So let me just explain that just a little bit. One God. How many have ever heard of any religions where they have lots of gods? Yeah? Yeah. Like in in, in Hinduism, there's several thousand, maybe more, 10,000 I've heard. Lots, lots of gods. The God of the Bible is a one God God. Okay? There's only one God. But we also see in the Bible that there are three persons in God. Okay? God, and there's three persons. Now, this next, that's not so hard to just understand the English of what that we mean by that, right? This next one's kind of weird. That all three persons are of the same substance. What does that sound like that means? Matt says made out of the same thing. I'd even say stuff. Made out of the same stuff. That, that is about what it means. And what that's saying is, is not like there are ingredients to God that we mix up like in a recipe. But that this stuff that is God is what all three persons are. So if I went back here. All of that stuff. Jesus. You could put right here at the beginning. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. Jesus is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable. You can say the spirit. The spirit is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable. The father is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable. That's because they are all of the same substance. But they're all referred to in the Bible like different persons. And sometimes the Bible talks about it as one big whole. And then all three persons are equal in power. 
This means that the Father does not have more power than the Son. This means that the Spirit is not more loving than the Father. Okay? When you hold those things together and think about some heresies, some errors that have happened over the last 2,000 years in church history, you, you mess with any one of those, you're going to drift into one of those errors. And this isn't a church history class. I'm not going to get into the names of those, but it'd be fun to actually study those a little bit and see, okay, if I mess with one of those, what heresy do I go into and do I see that showing up today? So, for instance, I'll just give you one example. There's this one idea that the son was adopted by the father and that he adopted all the power and being of God. He was born a real man, and then the father gave him these, <laughs> the ability to, like, the godness. That, that, that's some really wonky stuff. But it's, it's people trying to make sense of things. If you think about what the truths are, and they're trying to make sense of it, the problem is, is if we go beyond what's written. So you can stay safe if you stick with what's written. All right? Okay, so where do we... That was what does it mean? And I know there's probably lots of questions. So hold those, and we, we're going to have a party today, and maybe we'll have a Trinity party <laughs> after church. You all can ask all kinds of questions, and I'll let Matt, Matt answer them all. <laughs> so where do we get this from? Before we do that, let's read it again so that it's in our brain. And we'll say the question with me. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Now, where do we get this from? There's way too many Bible verses for me to go through and show you how this all fits together. Okay, um, But what I want to tell you before we dig into those... Two principles when you're reading your Bible, and this should just make sense when you hear it, but just understand that these principles apply to understanding the Trinity. If you find something hard to understand in your Bible, that like, I can't understand what that means right there, the best place to go to help understand that is elsewhere in the Bible. Okay? And the Bible, theologians talk about letting the Bible interpret itself. And that makes sense because of my second principle. Everything in the Bible is God's word. Tells us, the Bible even makes that claim about itself, that this is all God's word. So if everything the Bible says is true, which it says it is, then when you're dealing with a hard passage that you can't get your head wrapped around, you can feel safe going to other passages that might help you and inform that and make sense of that. Because the rest of it's all true as well. So when the, we try to figure out this God that shows up as Father and Son and the Spirit hovering above the face of the earth in Genesis 1, all these kinds of things showing up through the whole Bible, not just New Testament, you start to have to put it together and like, okay, well, if this is true and this is true, and this is true, and this is true, all these other things must be true. That's how we come to a doctrine of the Trinity. All right, so where do we get this statement from in just a few Bible verses? So Crusoe has Deuteronomy 
pulled up? Go ahead and read that for me. Thank you. There you go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's probably one of the clearest statements in the Bible, that there is one God. Can't get around that. There are three persons in God. How do we, where do we get that? And that's going to be all over. But one interesting place that you can go to see it all put together is Matthew 28, 19. Which person did I give that to? Aaron. Go ye therefore, keep all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Jesus is telling his disciples, go baptize them. And is he telling them to do that in the name of multiple gods? The name, the one name of the, and list the Father, Son, and Spirit. Right there. It's just one interesting biblical evidence to wrestle through. All three persons, though, are made of the same thing. So who has Colossians 2, 8, 9? I think Elena. Okay, that last phrase. Can you read this, that last phrase about Christ a little bit louder? Um, in Christ. And you have been filled For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells For in him, Christ, it just said, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The same substance of God the Father that the Hebrew Christians that would have been reading this Paul's saying to them, it's the same person, made up of the same thing. You can go to Hebrews 1, 2, that says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Multiple verses you can go that show that Jesus, and then you can see as well that the Son, the Spirit is the same substance. All right, now this next passage, I'm going to have Wesley read. Can you read it good and loud? Well, hang on. You got it ready? Okay. Go ahead, and stand, go ahead and stand and read it so that your voice projects over this. This is just a story from the book of Acts, but I need you to put your thinking caps on and think, what is this telling us about God? Okay, early in the passage, who did Peter say to Ananias that who he lied to? Did you catch that? The Spirit. Ananias, Peter says to Ananias, why did you lie to the Spirit? And then what does Peter say at the end of that? He lied to God. Right there, he's saying you, and, and then the next verse is Ananias drops dead. 
So the power of the Spirit is the same as God. He's equated with God too right there. So you could go to other verses that show that Jesus has the same power as God. And so you just start adding these up and you're like, okay, it's all coming together in one big picture. And you can't mess with individual ones and pick the ones you like in order to make sense of it. Just take it all together and say, well, this is this, that Jesus is not the Father. The Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. The Spirit is not the Father. Well, we know that much. But, and you start walking through everything it's saying and put it all together in one picture and you end up with a statement like this. Let's say it again. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in the one true and living God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Okay. So on your handout, do I have a little thing that says helpful article online? Yeah. Okay. I recommend if you're like, I need to understand this better. And after we maybe hang out a little bit this afternoon, if you have any questions, or like, I, I got to get this Trust me, you're never going to get to the end of this. <laughs> That's a great overview article of how does this kind of all fit together from the Bible teaching. But I want to go back to our, I also, I always ask, why does it matter? We talk about what does it mean, mm-hmm. right? We say, where do we get it from? But why does it matter? And um, this, these two reasons right here are spelled out in this guy's article that I put a link here to. All right. It's so good. Because this stuff matters. You may think, okay, it's really interesting. I know it's there. But we have this question of why does it matter? And what are we thinking? Like, if you could put the why does it matter question in your own words. I'll I'll let Audrey do that because you always ask me this. Like, you hate it when a pastor preaches a sermon and leaves out the what? Why and why do we care? What what am I supposed to do with it? What am I supposed to do with it? Now go with that a little bit further. What do we mean by what am I supposed to do with it? How does it affect our lives? And what were you going to say? Same thing. How does it affect our lives? Okay. I love it. Amanda's got even the word I was hoping somebody would say. How do I use it? There's a problem here. <laughs> okay. And, and I get that because we live right here and the right now. Right. I, I have to get up tomorrow morning and go to work. Ashley had to get up and be here to do it this morning, and it was hard, right? And we do it. We have to live in that real life. And so it makes so much sense that we would say from the Bible, how is this going to help me get up tomorrow morning and do this, right? The problem is, is now we are doing, last week I asked, said, what is the... What is one of the benefits, or why does it matter about that statement about God? And remember I said, we can't make God into our own image. We have to take God for who he is. One of the ways that we mess up in thinking about God is we make this idea that he is a vending machine for us. Right? That I go to him and pray so that I can. Right? And we've got it a little flipped around. Now God... His word has immense practical value. In fact, I can show you some verses that show that it's very practical. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything for life. Okay? And godliness. So I know that the Bible has practical value for us. 
But if our first question when the Bible tells us something is, what is that going to do for me? I have now changed God into a God who wants to serve me. And what we need to see is that we need to first say, I need God. (laughs) I need Jesus. I need to know who this God is. Because there is, the value in it is that I know where I am. I know why I'm here. I know what's wrong with the world. I know how it will be resolved. Now I have hope and can move forward. That's what we call a worldview. So if I can first see who God is, then knowing this God, well, that really matters. <laughs> It just matters first that our question first be, who is God? Because I'm a created being, and I need to know this God who made me, right? So, yeah, totally. Um, And you're obviously hitting on this, but when I always think about the get to know God part, I always think about it in terms of the husband-wife relationship. I mean, can you imagine if if Charity was telling me about herself, what she's like, how she feels, and I said, my first thought was, how is this going to help me? <laughs> right? You know, I mean, like, what, wait, what? I mean, that, like, on, on a, another level as well, it's, we get to know God. Yeah. And, and we get to know who he is and what he's like and what he's about and what he's made. And, like, to, to, to automatically just say, you know, that, you know, what am I going to, you know, how does it, what am I going to get out of this? Yes. You, any wife on the planet will tell you right there, if you're just listening to me for what you're going to get out of it, that's not going to go well. Right? I, I think most there are some humans that have that kind of view of others. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that, that has some different reasons maybe for why they're like that. I think babies come out of the womb like that. Yes. I need to know that woman because she makes my tummy not hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But eventually we begin to see that I need to know that person. Right? And I want to know this God. And the guy who wrote this article that I have referenced up there says this. Okay? The Trinity matters because this is who God is. It's who he always was and would have been even if there had been no you, no me, and no heavens and earth. This is our God. And we want to know him and we want to know him rightly so that we're not making up a God that is like the way we want him to be. I mean, when we make up a God who want, we want him to be, then I can get by with a lot of stuff, can't I? Right? I can also, when I make up a God who I want it to be, for some of us, I can't get by with anything because he has no grace or mercy. Right? See how you, we want to take God for who he is as he's shown us himself in the Bible. So on one hand, I think the question of practical, like the Trinity doesn't matter for my day-to-day life, it's not going to help you get a better job. It's not going to learn teach you how to save your money better. But there is practical value because the second point is it matters because the gospel matters. And we I brought up John 3.16, right? You can't have the biblical gospel, like the Bible says, without a trinity. Because you, just taking John 3.16, you have to have a God who has a father and a son. Right? 
So if we see in John 3.16 that the Father sends the Son, if you would go a little bit further towards the end of the book of John, like around chapters 14 through 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and says that he, and then he also says later that the Father are both going to send the Spirit. What does the Spirit do in our salvation? Why do we need the Spirit of God for our salvation? The Spirit draws us. There's, there's lots. So there's lots of right answers here. The Spirit guides us to God, right? And once we're saved, He guides us further. He lives in us. But before we come to Christ, before He brings us, He, he quickens us, He makes us alive. If you go to Romans 8, you're going to see the Spirit doing all kinds of interesting things in our salvation. Like, He's the one who is involved in our adoption as sons and daughters. The Father sends the Son. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. You have to have both of these sendings in order for us to be saved. The Father, some theologians put it this way. That the Father planned out what He was going to do to save us. The Son carried out that plan. And then the Spirit applies it to His people. That's just one way. There's some flaws in, in thinking about it. It's a good way to summarize it. You've got to have the Father, the Son, the Spirit all involved in order for our souls to be saved. It's, it, it's like, oh, wait. I have to have a trinity, a triune God, in order for this whole gospel thing to work out in my life. Um, and the, the art, author of that article says, our salvation hangs on these two sendings. Without them, God would still be a father, but he wouldn't be our father. He would still have a son, but he wouldn't have many sons. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I, if I can something. Go I'm ahead. Because so often they see God like they see their dad. They met some of them were have been abused, some of them really beaten, you know. And so, why does it matter is a big question because a lot of women are not did not have a good dad, right? So they don't think God's good. Yeah, that's that's a hard place to be. Absolutely, And, and even us for us that are dads, don't look to yourself like comparing yourself to other dads to see what a good dad would look like. Right? You need to look to the Father, which if you believe in a trying God, like the Bible says, you wouldn't look to one God, you look to the Father and what the Father did with the Son. So you, you see there is some practical value in that tomorrow, when you get up, or you don't want to get up, you're laying in bed and like can't think about why it's worth getting up. Start contemplating on this Father who loved you so much that he would send his son to die for you. And then he would give you the spirit to give you the kick in the pants to get out of bed, right? And then not just the kick in the pants, but a reassurance that you're his. You need a triune God. So you can't have different, you can't have it be any other way. Otherwise it doesn't hold up. It doesn't make sense logically. 
Any other things you would add about why this matters? The doctrine, we, right? Know, the doctrine we need. We needed someone else. You know, all of those those branches, like you said, most of them tie into this. Mm. And so, being able to understand where someone else is coming from, but knowing what the scripture says, I mean, it's not necessarily so. This can be some like Facebook debate, but because <laughs> theology matters. Yeah, the, the, this is theology, and it feels like whoa, but it matters for your life. It matters for your soul. 